You know, good health is the best inheritance you can possibly pass down. So the sooner you can replace what's missing in your kid's diet, the stronger, smarter, and so much healthier they'll become. That's why Child Life Essentials should be your new best friend. They have a complete award-winning range of natural supplements and multivitamins for kids from birth to late teens. Child Life Vitamins have been specifically formulated to address the key issues and challenges kids deal with daily like brain development, immune support, and their little bodies growing properly. Child Life Essentials are the world's most loved children's vitamins for a reason. They're all natural, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergy-friendly when possible. And best of all, kids love the taste. So take a look at the Child Life range. It's exactly the foundation they need to thrive throughout childhood and to succeed beyond. You can learn more at childlifenutrition.com. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Health Power. I learned about anxiety early without knowing exactly what it was. It was more that I witnessed uh, anxiety. Uh, My mother, whenever her mother would come to visit, and my mother for a week would be a complete wreck, completely high strung and nervous and worried about everything. And it twice a year, (laughs) it was really bad. And then when I was 13, my best friend couldn't come to my birthday party And it turned out that she had agoraphobia. So I learned big time about severe anxiety and an anxiety disorder that keeps you trapped in your home and lucky to learn that mental illnesses are like physical illnesses. I didn't grow up with that stigma of it, but I did see how difficult they can be and how they play out. I've got the most amazing man here with such an incredible book. His name is Faust Ruggiero. Uh, the book is The Fix Your Anxiety Handbook, bringing, out, bringing you out of the darkness and into a brilliant new world. Foste Ruggiero's professional career spans almost 40 years and is diversified and compelling as it has consistently established new and exciting cutting-edge counseling programs in its pursuit of professional excellence and personal life enhancement. He is a published research author, clinical trainer, and a therapist who has worked in settings that have included clinics for deaf children, prisons, nursing homes, substance abuse centers, inpatient facilities, major corporations, both national and international, and is a president of the Community Psychological Center in Bangor, Pennsylvania. In that capacity, he developed the Process Way of Life Counseling Program and has developed into a formal text presented in the Fix Yourself Handbook. Faust, welcome to Health Power. Lisa, thanks so much for inviting me. It is a pleasure to be with you. I think the book is amazing because it's an action book. Like when you say fix it, you're not BSing us. You know what I mean? So tell us a little bit about yourself and then uh, how you came to write this great book. Well, you know, I've been doing this for four decades, you know, uh, uh, private practice. Always thought about writing, <clears throat> but you know, as parents go, we raised four kids and had to had to practice. When the whole lot, not a whole lot of time to write. Uh, kids are grown. Oh, we, you know, the practice kind of slowed down. I'm just doing part time stuff now. So I did the first book three years ago, the Fix Yourself Handbook, which is kind of like the flagship book, and everything then is is a, a step off from there. Uh, my everything I do when I when I counsel people, it's always actionable. You know, I, I hear. A, What's the big complaint everyone says when they go to counseling? Well, they gave me a whole lot of information, but I don't know what to do with it. And I hear that with self-help books. Other authors are doing that. So it's important to be able to say, okay, here's the information. Here are the steps. Do these things. Go chapter at a time. When you get to the end, 
you're probably going to see it. Well, you will see a whole lot of change. It's just and like anything else in life. You got to stick with it. That's all. Yeah, you absolutely do. And I love the way that you present anxiety. You write, quote, I am presenting anxiety as a living monster who resides inside your body and mind. The most important point to understand is that anxiety is not who you are. It is what you have. You know, and that's in anything. We hear that with cancer patients. They don't don't call me uh, that cancer. That's what I have. And what anxiety does, it works on you little by little, eats away. And before you know it, you lose your identity and you believe this is who you are. You're this anxiety person. And I just want people to understand it's what you have. And if you can look at it that way, that's what you attack, not yourself. In chapter one, the demon inside you, understanding the driving force behind your pain, you talk about the definition of anxiety by the American Psychological Association. If you can, if you can define anxiety, well, for you know, us. I look at anxiety. And APA has their their definition. For me, anxiety is a physical condition that um, begins typically in the body and then spreads typically through the emotions and then to the intellect. And by the time it gets to the brain, we now believe it's it's who we are. And now we're trying to attack it there. Uh, it is a physical condition. That's the most important thing to remember. Your body is being attacked by this. Your nervous system is being attacked and you can't shut it down. And that's really when it comes to my personal definition, I said, and I've said that many times in the book, that's what we have to go back to regardless. I don't care what your anxiety is, what you're thinking today, you will attempt to attach it to something. Well, it's because that happened. Well, that might've been the trigger, but what it did is just said to your body, okay, implode. And here we go. And we're going to, we're all, we're going to come apart. You learn how to uh, calm your body down first. Again, it's another one of those things that people get. And they say, okay, now when it gets really, you know, when I, when I feel it, I have to do something about it. By that time, it's too late. You're going to ride that anxiety attack out. It's about changing the way you live life. It's about putting the proper nutrition into your body. Get away from all the things that, that play into anxiety, all the accelerants and all those things we do. Getting the right amount of sleep. Uh, learning to do things, whether it's meditation or prayer or whatever you do to calm yourself down. Getting those things in there. Uh, detaching from social media, which is an insane device to promote anxiety. And and we have to understand that we have social media and all this connectivity, the press, the, the, the media, they will prey on that. They want you to be emotional and reactive because that feeds what they're doing on their end. So you want to learn how to detach and you just get some facts and then get away. If that's what you need to do. But, but anything that is going to uh, I call it feed the demon. If you're going to feed this, it's going it's going to overpower you. That's just the way it is. So it's changing life. Yeah, absolutely. Now, some of the symptoms of agitation. I saw a lot of these in my mother when her mom was going to visit. Agitation, avoidance, chest pain, concentration issues, decreased decision making, excessive worrying, fatigue, feelings of hopelessness, hot flashes, hyperventilation, increased heart rate, and more. I like too that you have causes of anxiety. For some people, they're born that way. Well, there's no doubt about that. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's uh, anxiety or depression or whatever it is. When we when people come in and we do their uh, family histories, one of the things I'll always ask is, do we have this in your history? 
uh, and and when we're when we're dealing with uh, people, uh, everyone except adopted people, because a lot of times we don't have the family history of them. But almost always, yeah, my grandmother had this, and my mother had it, and my uncle committed suicide, and we and we go and I get all this kind of stuff. So is it? it it's a combination of the genetics, obviously, and then those people weren't do, probably weren't doing the right thing. So you learn a li- a style of life that fed right into it. So, you know, it's the perfect storm. Come up with a, a predisposition for anxiety and then do everything you can to feed the monster. And before you know it, you're in, you know, you're in your own personal prison. Right. Or you can have no anxiety in your family and you're not, you don't have a predisposition to it, but from abuse and trauma, you now have it. Correct. All those environmental things, particularly those things. I've done a tremendous amount of work with abused women and most of them have anxiety. Uh, it starts with fear, uh, it, that then you're captive and you're alone. It's a huge thing about anxiety is the alone feeling. Uh, you're different than the rest of the world and you're, and, and you're a prisoner and you're all alone and no one can help you. So, yeah, all those things, because they, they all, all the, the thing they have in common is they all provide physical trauma. They all wear the body down. And, you know, it doesn't matter when you wear your body down. You can talk about having a strong mind. Your, your, your brain is part of your body. And we have to also understand that we have a, ten- a tendency to separate that a little bit too much and say, well, it's my, it's my mind and it's my body. No, your mind is, is a physical organ. It's part of your body. So if you, if you break your body down and do things to your body that aren't good for it, you compromise your ability to move forward. I remember the first, I to tell this story. It was so bizarre. I remember the first time I met her and I'm engaged to her son. And the reason I hadn't met her before is because I was in California and he was in New England, but we did a long distance thing. He visited me and then I came out and anyway, they came to California to, to meet me and she said, nice to meet you. What are we doing next? And I was like, what? And she was really like stiff and it wasn't until we got to the restaurant and she tried the food and it was good that I just saw her shoulders kind of relax. Well, change and uh, getting out of routine because one of the things that people will typically do to fight anxiety is to avoid change and to establish a routine. Every Saturday, it was the bank, the store, the dry cleaner, like no matter what. And if you can do that, then you 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 have this little routine that allows you to accomplish what you have to accomplish. Some of it even has a little pleasure in there, but it's a very confining routine. And then something happens, something as simple as, gee, you know, um, my, my son's gr- girlfriend's coming over. I'm going to meet her. We're going to go out to a... Uh, or a restaurant. Well, that should be something to look forward to. I can't wait to meet this person. I'm gonna. We're gonna go out, have a nice time. And what's going on before that she even leaves the house is probably in her mind she's playing this whole thing out, and she all, all the negatives are coming. And this is going to happen. And what was me is it going on? And and before you know it, it's hard to leave the house. It's hard to it's hard to go on the front porch. Yeah, it's just amazing. And the sad thing is self-soothing alcohol, drugs or shopping or sex addiction or gambling, right? And I think that's such a, a huge thing of, of, you know, substance abuse trying to quell this anxiety. And, and what people will do, it's interesting, as they'll say, they don't want to go to the doctor, don't prescribe me medicine. So now they start doing those other things. Um, again, that's, that's why medicine is prescribed. I, I don't like to push people in that direction. But if we get to the point that we know they can't do much with it. I, then I'll, I'll say, let's at least get there for now. 
Um, let's just give you three or four months. Give yourself a chance to calm down, slow down a bit so we can put some new things in. The goal is to come off the medication. But right now, if, if I'm telling you some things and you can't do them, well, you know, we got some other things going on there. Let, let, let's at least get past that point. And then they'll say, they'll talk about medicine. I like taking pills. And I say, no, but you smoke your pot and you drink your alcohol. And you, you're put, those are drugs. Uh, you know, that, that's what you have to understand. And then you get the, well, they're natural drugs. And I said, the body doesn't have a whole lot of concerns about whether it's a natural drug or synthetic. Believe me, it's a drug and it will change the chemistry of your body. So let's go with something that we know is going to work for a short period of time. We're not going to look to put you on this, whether it's Xanax or whatever it is for the rest of your life. However, if you don't go on something and we change some things, you will continue to drink. That'll be another problem. And then you'll, you'll do the, the pot or whatever you do. And, you know, and, you know, and we're, we're real crafty about the way we got pot legalized for medicinal purposes. But, the, you know, the long-term studies tell us that pot has a definite effect on brain cells. So you're, you're, you're going to lose some of that clarity of thought. That's just what happens. If, you know, I, I've not seen a strain of pot to this point that makes you feel a little bit more intellectual. It just doesn't do that. All right. I want to jump into chapter two, body to mind, mind to body paradigm, getting to know the reciprocal body brain experience. All right. Jump in and tell us about this because I love that you write anxiety should always be described as a physical and intellectual slash emotional condition. And you, you mentioned earlier that dynamic between the body and the mind. Yeah. It's, it's one thing. It's, it's like anything else. We, these things happen in our lives and we get small amounts of information. Uh, it, it, the more you know, the more tools you have to do something. So I want people to understand this relationship. We have our bodies, our minds, our emotions all come from the same place. We have a tendency to split things up. You know, emotion in the brain, I'm sorry, emotion in the heart, intellect in the brain, and then the rest of the body. That, that's not the. That's not even close to the way things are. Everything we do, every movement you make has uh, your body and mind must communicate. It's sort of like, you know, your, um, your computer and your printer. For it to print, there's a back and forth thing that has to go on. Same thing with the body. So when your anxiety hits your body, it will hit your mind. It, hit, it will hit your emotions. None of these things are exempt from the picture. Once we understand that every single thing we do in life, not just anxiety, Everything we do in life has a relationship. It must have uh, this process, this back and forth process of the brain. The brain tells the body what to do. It controls all the organs. It controls everything that we're doing. So we want that in good shape. And the body obviously feeds the brain as with the way we uh, practice our nutrition. So if you understand that, then you do things for your brain and your body. And then you strengthen the entire organism. That's what I want people to understand. You can't do it just by saying, well, it hits my head. And I, if I do something to calm down, I'll be okay. It doesn't work that way. That's why anxiety keeps going on. Yeah, it's so true. I want to mention too, in every chapter, it's so great that you have time to take action. So again, I mentioned that at the beginning, I really love a book that gives us the tools that we need 
to help us with the issue that we're trying to address. Now, in chapter three, and we're not going to go through every single chapter, but I just, I highlighted a lot because it's so good. <laughs> Getting to know your anxiety monster, an introduction to the beast inside you. And you write, learning to identify the characteristics, that is the symptoms that apply to your individual trip through the anxiety wasteland and how they affect you is crucial to understanding what has happened and what is happening as anxiety invades your life. So tell us how to like get to know this anxiety monster. You know, if, if you know anyone with anxiety, somewhere along the line, all of them will say this little phrase, you don't know what it's like to be in my head. And you know what I always say to them? You're right. I can get, I've studied this. I've treated it for years. I've seen thousands of cases and I can give you all the basics. I can give you all the general things and working with you, I'll get some of your specifics. However, you know how your body feels. You know how it begins to set up when it starts. You know all of that. So I want them to understand two things in that chapter. One in that, yes, your anxiety is is specific to you. That's good. The other part is you've got to get that communicated to someone. If we're going to help you, we've got to get to know not just anxiety. We don't, we're not just going to tell you about the general stuff and anxiety here. Try this and do this. We need to know your anxiety so we can make it specific to you when we treat you. So the better you can communicate that, the better off you are. The problem for a lot of people is that when they get anxious, you know, it's like I said, the, the mind like it implodes and you ask questions and they're, they're bouncing everywhere. They, you know, they, you, you, you kind of want to jump out of your skin. So it's important when anxiety's down a little bit to start letting people know this is how it comes along. I can feel it. I feel it maybe in my body first. I, I start overthinking things because that's another thing that goes along with anxiety. The mind doesn't turn off. We hear that all the time. I want to know how that comes on. Give me, and I'll break it down with people. I mean, I, they'll say, well, it comes on in my, in my head first. And I say, okay, let's talk about that. Let's see how it presents. Are there certain things you think about all the time? Uh, what what's the time span on that? I mean, I'll ask a hundred questions. Now I've got a real good picture of what that person is dealing with. So it's important for people to understand, A, I've got to get this out of me, but I got to communicate this to someone so they understand what's going on with me. Then we can, you know, it's, it's, it's a plan for you. No two people have the same anxiety. It has its, its general features. Then it's yours. That's true. Uh, one of the people I know with anxiety is the rumination is terrible. It's hard because um, what you find, people think, well, I can't turn my mind off and it, it thinks all these crazy thoughts. Even when you are feeling real good, your mind's still going. It's just attaching them more fun things. So it just never shuts off. Um, <clears throat> and that's one of the reasons why I'll say to people, well, let's slow down. Maybe let, let's put a, a medication in there for two or three months so I can teach you how to do some things differently with your brain. Because it's, it's hard to teach that in the middle of an anxiety attack or heightened anxiety or we didn't get to your PTSD. I mean, you know, okay, great. I can tell you how to turn some things off. Then all of a sudden, you know, deja vu, deja vu, deja vu, and you're living something that happened to you, the abuse, the, 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 the uh, thing in the war, uh, you know, uh, you know, this horrible thing you saw. So, you know, we have to, we have to get into a, 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 what I teach him is when these things come along, I'm going to teach you how to calm down rather than go forward with the anxiety. Uh, Cause really it's in the first three minutes, three seconds, I'm sorry, that you 
something happens and your body goes. Now, if in those first three or four seconds, I can train you to do something else, we get right in the way of the anxiety. That's incredible. And that that actually brings us into chapter four, Life on Speed Dial Revisited, slowing down to gain control. This is where you talk about focusing on your breathing. This is where you talk about meditation, yoga, and prayer and adding them to your daily routine. And I think for some people like myself, I've got a busy, I don't have anxiety, but I do have a busy mind. And meditation to me is so difficult. I have been doing it a little bit, but I just feel like I'm constantly just going back to breath, going back to breath. And my husband who's been meditating for 20 years is like, but that's, yeah, it's not like your mind is going to clear of all thoughts. You're just going to go back. Is it okay if people listen to a guided meditation to sort of help them on their way? Or do you want them to just do like that type of, you know, breath meditation or- I want them to do whatever works for them. Often we'll sit down and devise something. Your husband is right on track. Go back to your breath. A lot of time what I'll tell people is before you get into meditation, get into breathing exercises. Okay. Because that's already in the picture then. And again, it's physical. The other thing breathing does, if you focus on your breathing, it keeps you in the moment. I have to, I have to focus on, cause it, usually there's a plan, you know, take it, take your breath in, have it in there for, you know, three or four seconds, hold it, uh, exhale. It, it depends on what plan you follow, but then you, it's almost like learning dance steps. You know, you have to focus on it and then you're in that moment. And then once we get people to focus on that, they can, they can bring that into a meditation state. And again, for, for anyone listening, meditation has nothing to do with anything really deep. All it is is a, relax, a way to relax your body, keep your mind in the present, and everything slows down. That, that, on a cellular level, helps you regenerate a little bit, and you feel more energy. You feel more mental clarity, which is what would happen if you calm down. So it's a tool we use. That's all it is. Some people will get go in and they'll they'll get into ten minutes of prayer. If that works for you, wonderful. Go do that. Whatever it is that's going to calm your body down and get you into a place where we can start working with you. That's what we're looking for. Well, I think what's so eye opening for me is that with somebody in my life when they're starting to get anxious, I'm like, just just breathe, do some deep breathing, and they're like, no, it doesn't work. It's not helping, and it's because they're they don't have a practice of it. Correct. Correct. So that so this was he. I was like, oh my god. Okay, I get it. You've got to be doing this all along. So then you learn when the time comes and you're feeling anxious. You your body's used to doing that versus I never do it and now I'm right in the middle of it and you're asking me to breathe. Forget you. <laughs> you know you don't understand. And you know what I find with people, whether it's meditation or anything else, anxiety people, people who have anxiety have tried just about everything they think. So when you say, well, just do this, the, the, first of the just word kills it. Now there you say just. It's not right. that easy. But the other thing is, uh, as soon as you say, well, let's work on your breathing. No, that doesn't work for me. They've tried some form of it. It doesn't work and in their mind. So as soon as you say, let's do this, trigger for more anxiety. I can't go there. Right. Really, what, what happens, what I get them to do is to focus on me. I'm going to be their calming effect. You know, and they'll say that when I come to the office, I can calm down. They'll be anxious when they walk in and get what they have to get off their chest for a minute or two. And then we go down because they're focusing on something other than themselves. Remember, they're, they believe they and anxiety are one person. So when they focus on themselves, there's usually nothing but negative or at least something to be uh, fearful of or to be apprehensive about. Um, the, the other thing is they also, they live in a, a, a land of hopelessness. Uh, no, it doesn't matter what I try. 
it's not going to work. I'm going to be like this all my life. Their internal language is constantly saying those things. Now we come and we say, well, let's try this. I want to do this. Let's go for a ride. It's almost like we're appeasing them for a little while. They know it's not going to work and they're not going there. Uh, I There were so many things that just grabbed me in the book. And I love that you have things about emotions. In chapter six, a brain block, emotions and intellectual interference. You write, healthy emotions are the product of balanced energy distribution in the brain. They are expressed when factual information has been intellectually gathered and arranged in a cohesive and big picture presentation. Break that down a little bit for us. Well, you know, I start, everything I do is about internal balance. Uh, it's not a you know, crazy concept. We've been talking about it. We, we are physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual organisms. Spiritual, you can uh, take as much as you want to believe in. Spiritual simply refers to what's inside the essence, that core of you. Uh, but physically, you know, we've, we've talked about what anxiety does. It hits, it hits there, it hits emotions, it hits the brain. A person who learns how to balance those, those attributes and that's what I teach. What now, now you have a power source. Now everything's balanced and four, four attributes are attacking this thing as opposed to your brain trying to think your way out of it, uh, putting alcohol into your body so it comes down to the point that you're, you're, you know, you know, you're almost comatose and you don't think about anything anymore. If, if, you, if we get those, th- those attributes in balance, you have a power source that's very, very strong. I do this with with just you know with people with anxiety i do it with athletes and they become better athletes and you just have more things to draw on so i want to help people balance that out what happens right now is when, when it's not balanced we're, we're small picture people because we're focused on right. little things right but when that is when we're balanced and we have all those attributes those four parts of us working the, you know in unison so to speak but the world can get real big and we've we've got all this energy and all this all, all this power uh, to go get it. And, and that's, that's what we're talking about. It's learning how to balance it out and then have a more, a, a more balanced form of energy distribution. And we can take that energy and, and put it where it needs to go. You know, we can be a whole lot more efficient than we, than, than we are right now. Absolutely. And we've touched on this, but I think this is so important. The order of slowing down starts with your body moves to your intellect until I can't talk today starts with your body moves to the intellect and then finally includes your emotions. Let's focus a little bit on that intellect. The intellect again is, you know, you know, the, 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 the old hierarchies of, 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 you know, we have the, the physical on the bottom. Then we go emotional. The reason the emotional goes next is because it's attached to the physical. It's almost like a mediator between the, the physical and the brain. The brain would come next spiritual on top, higher order thinking and feeling, uh, you know, so common sense. The larger part of what we do is physical. So we want to get the body calmed down. It's a very simple premise. This is not, no guru stuff, so to speak. This is basic human living. You know, and, and I, I should interject here just a moment. Everything I do is, is just basic logic. It's there. There's no, let me grab this cool formula. There's no acronyms I'm going to throw at you. I'm not trying to do something new world here. It, it, right. when, when people get done with my stuff, they say, geez, I've, I think I knew most of that, but it's in an order that is, you know, a little, a little bit easier to work with. That's all we're talking about. So physical on the bottom. It goes to emotional next again because the emotions are so tied to the physical. You know, when you get emotional, I don't care who it is. You get emotional, you feel the physical change quick. Right. It's, it's, yes. it's a little rush. Um, and then it goes to the brain. So we want the brain 
in, in terms of um, uh, anxiety to be able to, to work with this information. And, and, and it works with the body, the emotions. The problem we have is we go to emotions first. And, and we wear that on our sleeve. Oh, yeah, I'm an emotional person. That's just the wrong way to think. The emotions should be, nothing, should be a reflection of what the mind and the body are doing. That's really what it comes down to. Uh, the emotions uh, take what's black and white and make it a little bit more gray. And, you know, so it's, we're not robots, so to speak. Uh, they help us communicate how we think and feel. That, that they should be helpers. But we have them setting the tone for what we do. That's where it gets way off track. When that happens, and also we talk about our emotions as positive or negative, which is really inaccurate. They're just there. We feed them in one direction or the other. So we, we don't want the emotions to dictate the discourse, so to speak. We don't want them to say, well, I feel this way, so I feel horrible today, and I know I'm going to feel horrible, and I'll keep telling myself that. Well, you, you talked yourself into Now you told the brain, you weakened the brain and said, here, brain, attach this negativity and just keep telling me this. You're going to live it. So I like people to understand that the brain has to be, has, has to, more than anyone, has to have positive energy, has to have that energy flowing, and you do that with your language. Yes, and I'm so glad you said that because that has to do with the negative self-talk and exactly. knocking that, that flip off, right? Exactly. So, and, and, and people say, what am I supposed to say? I'm powerful. I'm going to beat this. And I say, no. First of all, the first step is just stop the negativity. Think about it. If you just stop, say you say, I'm not going to say anything negative to myself. If I just stop doing that, I'll take that right out of my, out, out of my, uh, my day. Now I'm just going to say, okay, I'm going to do the best I can at this. I'm going to attack it. I'm, I'm not going to go negative. I'm, going to, I'm just going to keep on doing the best I can. If I need help, I'm going to ask for help. I can do this. Eventually, I have to learn how to do these things. Those are the positive statements, not the ones that say, I got this. No, you don't because you're not there yet. Let's not be unrealistic. Let's just get to the point where we get the negative out of the picture and start saying, I'm going to work this. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to do what I have to do to get past this. And I'm not going to quit. That's all. That's positive language. And your brain will like that. The brain will, because the other one actually makes your brain feel sick. When you're negative, your brain feels sick. It's negative energy. It can only make us feel sick. That's all a negative energy can do. But if it goes positive, now we start feeling a little healthier. Now we feel like, okay, I'm not dealing, I'm not dealing with that bully over here that keeps telling me I can't and you're nobody and you're worthless and you're never going to be anything else. But I'm going to deal with something that gives me at least a route to where I need to go. It may, if it takes, look, I look at it this way. I tell people, if it takes you a whole year, you're saying that's going to take a whole year to get there. And I'm going to say, well, if you don't do this, where are you going to be in a year? worse so why don't we start because the year is going to go by really quickly and 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 then you're going to start feeling better you may not be through it but you're going to have that that light at the end of the tunnel is going to be there the hope is going to be there that's what you want to work with you know you mentioned bullying a minute ago and you have in chapter eight the victim and the bully victimization from the inside but finally there is hope and you write anxiety can grow into an unrelenting emotional bully be willing to face this menacing nemesis and watch its power start turning to dust and that's by doing the work none of this is going to happen by just thinking okay i'm not going to be anxious anymore i'm just going to face the bully by doing nothing it's not unfortunately it's not how it works no it isn't and the, the bully we're talking about 
again, is, is the product of that internal language. I, I'm defeated all the time. And no matter where I go, he's good, he or she is going to be there. That bully is going to be there no matter where I go. So I'm a prisoner. You know, it's like if for those who have been bullied, doesn't matter if you're in school, you're in a workplace, whatever, it doesn't matter where you go. Somehow that person ends up there. Um, you're carrying the person with you. So we, we have to be able to say, okay, enough. This bully got big because I made it get big. I helped it. I fed it. I, I'm going to stop doing all that. You're not getting any more of me. Uh, you know, and it may, I, I may go through just a whole lot of difficult times and uncomfortable feelings, but I am getting rid of you. You got to be walking yes. that way. Uh, and, and one way or another, I'm doing this. And, you know, and it's not just anxiety. We talk about that with disease. You know, cancer patients hear this all the time. You've got to get positive energy into this. Stop telling yourself, oh my God, I've got X amount of time. How many people have had X amount of time and they're still here? You know, there, something, something different is happening. So, and, and, and again, I tell them, if you don't do this, then in the end, you will say, I never did it. And here I am. If you did it and it really made you half crazy, but you got through it, are you willing to put that time in? That's what you have to know. If you are, it works. Yeah. And in this chapter, you talk about surrendering and you talk about 10 things to surrender about anxiety. And I'm not going to read them all. People have got to get the book. But I think this is so important. Uh, number one is your belief that you are emotionally unstable. You know, what happens is when an anxiety starts taking over, you, you, you surrender to the negative stuff. That I can't do this anymore. I'm worthless. This is hopeless. It's never going to change. You surrender to those. You've got to be able to not surrender to those, to surrender those, get them out of the picture. Right. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not doing that stuff anymore. And, and that's what I was part of what I was talking about with the language. If you go through those 10 things and just say, I'm not doing these anymore. You will take a huge step in, in, in getting yourself back on track. A lot of the beginning of the program for anxiety to get rid of it is not to do things. It's to stop doing things. That's your first thing, because if you're going to try to tell yourself you can do this, but in the meantime, you're telling yourself you're worthless and this is never going to happen. It's like trying. You said, OK, I'm going to take swimming lessons, but I got an anchor tied to my to my ankle. It's not going anywhere. We got to cut the we got to cut the chain first. Stop doing the negative that you have control over. You have control over your, the way your brain is thinking. I'm not going to do these things. I didn't give you anything to do yet. I'll tell people that all the time. I'm not going to give you one thing to do. Just stop doing these. And you don't realize that that's a huge movement forward when you stop doing that. That's, that's the first thing because the negative stuff, it, it, it's, you know, I, like I say to people, 90% of the, of the communication we have is to ourselves. It's in our own head. If most of that is negative, boy, oh boy, you're really, really beating yourself up here. You know, I mean, you can't run a race, you know, if, if you've got the person behind you tied to you who's a, slowing you down you, you're, and you're that person so you know you want to be able just to say okay let me stop doing all the negatives the language uh, the accelerants in the body the staying up till four o'clock in the morning on your phone and then sleeping till noon none of that's doing anything for you get the bad habits out of the picture and the other thing about bad habits is we, we kind of misconstrue those into 
comfort zones. You know, it's a bad habit. I'm going to sit and have two or three beers while I'm watching TV and a nice big uh, dish of whatever I eat along with it. And I'm going to sit there and now it's two o'clock in the morning. And, and I've been, I, I've been doing the, uh, the marathon on, 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 the, on the show that I'm watching and binging all the way through that. And then the morning I get up and I have the hangover from the alcohol. I ate too much. I don't feel so great. It's noon. I look around and say, I'm there again. Why do I even bother? That's got to go. Get the yes. negatives out first. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you have that in the book, talking about healthy habits and, you know, just sleep is so important. Eating well, moving your body, not doing the things that you just talked about is huge. I'm big on goals. You have what's called my goal grind. Yeah. The initial plan to help me reduce my anxiety. You have a long-term goal, reduce my anxiety. Short-term goal number one, de- decelerate my body. Step number two, change the way I speak to myself. And step number three, to begin to express more healthy emotions. These things take time. These are great short-term goals. I love these. Yeah. And, and those goals, I, I made actually to, to augment what we're doing. They're, they're, one section is physical, one's emotional, one is intellectual. Uh, yeah, and great. you do want to go slow. You know, people will come to me and say they're going to stop smoking. And I say, okay, let's get a plan. No, I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I said, you're going to traumatize yourself. You're going to have all the withdrawal, the anxiety that goes with it. So I'm not looking to add anxiety. And the little catch that people get into when they're trying to work with anxiety. They try to go too fast, which creates more anxiety, which increases the possibility for failure. And then they don't want to do anything. It's very, and and I understand, you have to really, you have to be kind here and say, okay, people with anxiety, we know you want to get through this as fast as possible. So you're trying to go too fast though. It's going to take some time, slow changes, let your, your body and your emotions and your mind adjust to them. Then we move to the next step and we just keep on, but the key is keep on going. That's all small incremental movements forward. Don't challenge you to the point that they interrupt your life and, and cause more, more uh, negative concerns for you. And in the meantime, they keep on giving you the roadmap for moving forward. Now, Foss, was there anything you wanted to add today? I definitely want to have you back. There's still so much more to talk about. Yeah, for today, I think that the, the key for everyone is just to understand that there is a way out of this. If you pull nothing out of this today, I hope you, you would you would, you would look at this and say, you know what? Maybe there's a hope for this. I Maybe there's the thing I can do. I can follow this plan or I can talk. I can learn how to do some things and I'm not stuck here. Uh, I, I'm telling people, I got thousands of people through this over the years. If I can do that with them, you can do this too. It's just being able to establish a plan, but don't get stuck in this. Absolutely. All right. The book is Fix Your Anxiety Handbook, Bringing You Out of the Darkness and Into a Brilliant New World. Fost Ruggiero. Tell us all the ways to find you. You're just fantastic. Thank you. Um, you can find me online, uh, com. It's my website. Uh, what you'll find there is I'm not selling anything else. The book is there. Uh, you're not coming to buy programs. You know, I, I just don't do those things. Uh, when you get there, you'll find what you need to know about me, but you'll find everything you need to know about the program. We call it the uh, Fix Your Empowerment Program. Uh, it's going to be a series of books. This is number two. We're going to go on depression and discrimination and relationships. All those things are coming. Uh, so this one right now and the first one, again, which is the flagship book, the Fix Yourself Handbook. That's what that establishes everything. Uh, they're there. Excerpts are there. You can see you can go in there and see some of the parts of the chapter. So you can look at it and say, gee, is this something that I think I can deal with? I think that's the right way. 
uh, to present this kind of information. So everything about the program is on the website. Now I'm keeping my fingers crossed because you said that you've helped a lot of people. Do you still work with people? I do. Okay, we're going to talk. Foss, you are fantastic. Everybody, get this book. It is so good. And again, like I mentioned, even for people who don't have a propensity towards anxiety, there's so much going on right now that's leaving so many of us anxious. And this is such an incredible book. So thank you so much. And please keep coming to Health Power. Rate, review, subscribe. Thank you. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.